Welcome to Elevate, the podcast brought to you by Elevate Beauty Lofts. I'm your host, Pam, and every episode I'll be bringing you conversations inspired by real life situations. I believe that sharing our experiences is one of the best forms of connection, community, and therapy. Join me on this journey with a glass of wine, a full heart, right here on Elevate, the podcast. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of Elevate the Podcast. And today we have a very special guest. We are in the studio with Bolu. And uh, I met her on Instagram. Thank goodness for Instagram. It's like the virtual meeting place for when you can't meet people because we're all masked. Um, and you know, she has a uh, up-and-coming business, and it's very cute. We're about to have a couple pieces in the shop. But um, I want to actually focus today on talking about the birthplace of her business and who she is and the evolution of Baloo. So I'm going to let her introduce herself to you guys. She's very sweet. If you're watching a snippet, you could see her. But um, take it away. Go ahead. Go to town. <gasps> <laughs> Thank you so, so much for having me on your podcast. I am so honored and excited for such an amazing opportunity. So just a little bit about myself. My name is Balu, and I am currently a first-year student at the University of Toronto, and I'm hoping to do a double major in global health and bioethics. On the side, I am also the owner of Ashanti Avenue, which is a small business where I sell handmade hair accessories for women. Um, growing up, um, my family, I was originally from Nigeria and my family moved around a lot because my parents were trying to find a better life for, uh, for my family. So growing up, I had to see them struggle and I had to see them push constantly to create the life that they wanted for themselves and their family, which also instilled in me that drive to all, to always seek growth and to always find um, opportunities to grow myself, whether that's um, getting involved in my community or even starting the business. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, before we started um, chatting on here and a little bit more online, um, she sent me some information. It was really beautiful. I told her, I was like, wow. Um, she sent me a beautiful essay on herself. And just so that I can get a glimpse into who she is and how she became who she is, and it's pretty interesting, especially from my perspective. So like being born and raised in Canada and my dad's wife has a cottage in Perry Sound. And um, so when she told me, it's actually like in something called Maktir. Do you know where Maktir is? It's no. like it's, it's like in the outskirts it of Perry Sound. Oh. Um, but um, 
you being born and raised, like born in Nigeria, then moving to Jamaica and then being dumped in Perry Sound, I'm like, <laughs> holy cow, like she you did not imagine. know what was coming, right? Because yes. I know like being two biracial kids, me and my sister going up to the cottage with my dad's wife, like we were the only fuzzy headed kids around the lake on the canoe. So I'm thinking, wow, but we would just go up like two weekends a year. This is your whole life. And little mm -hmm. did you know coming and it was straight from Jamaica, right? Exactly. Right in the straight middle from Jamaica, like Nigeria to Jamaica is all already one culture shock just because exactly. I haven't been to Nigeria. Um, we have a hairstylist who works with us who's Nigerian, Hajara, but hearing some of her stories, Jamaica and Nigeria are already quite different. Oh, and culturally, totally. music, like music is a huge culture in Jamaica where like, it's just even in like that realm, it's so different. Mm -hmm. So for you to go from that and Jamaica to Perry Sound, like, whoa, you had no idea what was coming, like at yeah. all, because that's like cottage country, not a lot of culture, like even food wise, like, I don't even know where your yeah. parents got the groceries to make the dishes that you probably ate there because it back then was so maybe now there's a little bit more, but back then, like, whoa. Yeah. So, um, like that. what was, yeah. What was that like for you getting off this plane from Jamaica, never seeing snow and then moving to Perry sound? <laughs> oh my God. I think, like you said, it was a huge, um, culture shock everything was so so different everyone spoke differently um the men that the things that I would do were different from the way they would do things here like I yeah. remember once in my grade four class like I always loved school and I always participated I was a person with my hand up always and in um, Jamaica we would usually do this then to show respect to the teachers you would stand up and answer <laughs> so I would always do that but whenever I would do that I noticed that people would look at me like different like why is she getting up like where is she going to <laughs> so it was always those little awkward moments where you sort of have to adjust really really fast and adapt to a situation that you've never been in and my accent also was different I'm, I'm not sure if, you, if I still have an accent now but then it was a lot more thicker I had like a mixture of like this Nigerian accent with probably Jamaican patois in there also. So you can imagine no one understood a word that I was saying. So it was, <laughs> it was something. And it was just a huge culture shock, like trying to get used to it. But I would say that on the average, most people were very kind and very nice and understanding, but it does, there's nothing like being with people who are like you who understand what you're going through. There's nothing like that sisterhood, if that makes sense. Yeah. But apart from that, it was just a huge transition. And over the years, we did get used to it. And then we moved into Barrie, which definitely has a little more Black population, but yeah. still not as much as like you would say, for example, Toronto. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And my dad's wife, funny enough, her parents are from Barrie. Um, mm -hmm. and remind me what age were you when you left Jamaica to come to Perry Sound? Um, it was the start of grade four. Oh, wow. I did. Yeah. We were in Jamaica for about two years. Yeah. We were in Jamaica for two years and then moved to, um, uh, Perry Sound at the start of grade four. Yeah. And how old are you now? 
Uh, eight, 19. Yes. Okay. Wow. So that's, and those are still like, you know, pretty crucial years because I have a daughter mm-hmm. who's in grade, she's in grade four mm-hmm. and we actually moved schools, um, kind of like the opposite ish. We moved schools during the pandemic and, you know, they were online. So mm-hmm. making friends, changing schools, moving homes, but meeting your friends virtually is kind of weird, but yeah. The school she went to was in a pretty like predominantly wealthy area in Etobicoke. And then Mm -hmm. she was like the kid who people wanted to touch her hair all the time because they they never seen hair like like that, I guess. And she Mm -hmm. got some comments from some of her friends. But then we moved to um, Mississauga and she went to a school where there is so much diversity and she like she's like, mom, there's a kid in my class who looks like me. And there is like Asian, Indian, like um, like Middle Eastern. And she's just like, whoa, because this is so foreign to her. In her outside of school life, we expose her to that. But you spend a lot of time in school. Like you spend probably you more time in school than you do at home for the most part. And that's that's very crucial. So being in grade four and having her switch to that, but if it would flip and she was exposed to more of her culture in school and then flipped to the school where there was less, I could see that being very impactful because now you're like, whoa, like what happened? Where am I? Am I the alien? Like what's happening? But I know as a kid, um, I went to a school where there wasn't a lot of diversity. Like I always say me and my sister together made one of the total of six black kids in the school So, um, it was that, and then like other factors, like, you know, single mom. So like, there's ways people already have judgments on you of who you Mm -hmm. are and what your character is. So it's kind of like we stuck together in one clan, but I always felt different from the people. And I was like told, oh, you're Fern Gully, the last rainforest because of my hair or like made fun of because my nose was pudgy or Mm -hmm. like all of these things. And reading again in your in your bio you were told that a lot of parts of you who you were were made fun of by these kids and because it was different but like explain again like how did that how did you perceive that at that age and how did it make you feel moving forward into this new environment um i think it definitely impacted me in so many ways especially in terms of how i see myself as a person I think that at that age, it's so crucial for you to understand who you are as a person and come to terms with who you are and whose you are. And I feel like once you're hearing different things and different opinions about who you are, it's hard for you to tell which is which. And then that comes to play in how your self-confidence, for example, like I can literally remember um, seeing all these other white kids, um, blue eyes, blonde hair, and their hair was like straight and like different from mine is very thick and coarse. So I remember literally Googling, like, how do I, how do you make your hair blow in the wind? Like, you know how you see the <laughs> movies and the uh, protagonist walks in and their hair is just like blowing in the wind. I'm like, well, how come my hair doesn't do that? My hair just like sticks out. If I just let it be, it just sticks out. And it's just those little things of like, how do I make my, how do you make yourself look lighter, make yourself look lighter skin, just little things like that. And I feel like it comes to play as you grow up and you start to have these insecurities that you really shouldn't have, because 
It's something that you can't control to start with. And even if it's something that you can't control, it's still beautiful just because it's not someone else's definition of beauty doesn't mean it's not. So I think I also had to come to terms with my own definition of beauty. I also had to find um, other representation of seeing other Black women, other, um, for example, like the first time that I ever um, walked into Hudson's Bay and I remember seeing Lupita um, Nyong'o. Yeah. on the poster for like Lacombe or something like that and just be like wow she yeah. actually looks like me she's not like Hollywood's um representation of the light-skinned black person she's an actual dark-skinned African woman I was like so we are beautiful just because other people said we're not doesn't mean that we're not and I think just really making sure that I am surrounding myself with all this positivity of all these truths really um, help me grow into the person that I am today. So, yeah. 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 And did you find again, cause, um, I'm sure that we, we see how this impacts the children, but then mm-hmm. even a step further of how it impacted your parents, because yeah. not only are they probably feeling just as much as you're feeling, but now they're feeling that combined with how, like, how is my child feeling? Right. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, parenting I find has like, it keeps changing with time where it's like now, like there's the use of therapy and this and talking where like, I find back in the day, again, having a father from Jamaica that like, that kind of stuff is like, Oh, get over it. Like, move on, (laughs) move on. Life is happening. Like you're fed, you're healthy. Let's go. Which to an extent, it's good if we can think that way because then we don't end up in like these pity parties and, and we can mm-hmm. look at more of the things that we're grateful for. But at the same time, if we're taught just to push and stuff our emotions in, then that's going to come up in our adulthood. And when we're yeah. in adult relationships and friendships, now it's like we have all of this baggage that we had as a child that we just stuffed because you know, it was too hard for our parents to bear, or if it was too much for us to deal with, we just kept going. Do you think that there's an element of um, that within you? Or do you think that you had like a good safe place where as a child, you can talk about what you were going through and experiencing? Um, I feel like to a certain degree, yes. But yeah. for the most part, no. Yeah. Because just to paint a picture, this was my family, my parents, both working really hard to get us to a better land, um, more opportunities. So that wasn't really the focal point. It was more of them trying to work to make sure that we were well fed because still we were still transitioning. Um, we were still on like a temporary visa, which was under my dad's work. So there was a lot more priority. So I really didn't get that opportunity. But I would say that like now that I'm growing up and starting to understand things from my parents' um, point of view, you realize that people aren't perfect and they're not supposed to be. And you can only do the best that you can. And once people do that, just take it as it is. And I also feel that just seeing my parents, like, because again, my dad is an African man. (laughs) I don't know. He's very, very strict, a very no-nonsense kind of person. Same with my mom. So growing up, there weren't the easiest to talk to, but like now just seeing them evolve to the person that they did and if they can do it, then like anyone can do it. So that means that you can change whatever narrative that you've written about yourself, whatever prior notion that you have about yourself, you can always rewrite that. You can always go against that stereotype of that African parents because 
African parents are usually very strict or, and they're always like, oh, you have to go to school to become a doctor or whatever. But now it's more of, they want me to, uh, dream the biggest, dream the best life that I can possibly dream for myself. And they want to see me achieve that. And I think that just seeing that transition is even inspiring on its own. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like that's beautiful because if you look at it, would you change anything from that journey? Like if you could go back to all of the places that were tough and they were hurtful and they seemed like it was too much for you to manage, would you now knowing what you know at still like the young age of 19, um, gosh, you're almost 20 years younger than me. <laughs> um, I, I wish my skin looked as supple as yours. Um, but would you go back and change anything or do you see that how much those moments formed you to become who you are now? Um, I would not change a thing at all. I feel like each stage of our life is essentially preparing us for the next. And the magnitude also comes to play. So if you're going through something really, really hard right now, just know that there's something better waiting for you, something that is worth that um, difficulty, if that makes sense. There's something waiting for you on the other side. And if you're not growing, then you're just going to be dead, literally. You're just going to be a hollow person. You're not going to really have anything about yourself. And I also feel like it's bigger than just me. It's about the other kids that are back home in Nigeria that don't have the opportunities that I do. And it just comes, it just builds you as a person, builds your character as a person, and you grow a thicker skin so that if someone ever says something bad about me, it really isn't going to hurt me. Like there's nothing you've said Um, to me that I haven't said to myself before and got over it. So I think it also allows you to really put things into perspective and understand that it's bigger than just me. There are a lot of people who don't have the opportunities that I do. And I'm given this opportunity to grow myself in this better country that I can have a better education and all these opportunities to do things that I never thought I could do. So I owe it to myself and other kids to use all of it and also open the doors for them also eventually. But yeah. Yeah. And um, before we talk about what you have grown from this, um, is there anything that you can see like from, again, coming from this, what you see ahead of you that you want to do to um, like to create some sort of change? Because, you know, some people take their situations and they're like, I'm going to make sure like just how you said, there's still kids who are in Nigeria who aren't aren't Mm -hmm. having this opportunity. And sometimes that alone makes you think like that's your driving force behind you. Like, is there anything else coming in the future or in your plans that now you're like, you know what, I'm here. This is what I'm ready to do. Uh, I feel like there is so, so many issues. There's so many things wrong with this world. (laughs) It sounds so pessimistic, but there's so many things that I wish could be done differently. I mean, in terms of healthcare, like this is another side of me that I usually don't talk about with people. Like I'm very passionate about other global issues. Like for example, in terms of healthcare, um, like imagine you're living in poverty and you have to decide between taking your kid to the hospital or sending them to school. And then there's the other conversation to be had about women's rights and girls' right to an education because they're seen as they're still seen as you have to stay home. 
And this is still the narrative back home. And yeah. um, I feel like that is definitely something that has to change. But it's really hard for me to also decide, like, what route do I want to tackle, if that makes sense? Like, I'm also passionate about climate change as well. And the fact that it's the big countries like Canada, the U.S., the European countries, we're the biggest emitters. And yet it's the it's the poor people of Africa. It's the poor people of Asia. Those are the people that are seeing all the droughts and all the floods and things like that. And they don't even have the resources to protect themselves against these things. So there's just so many um, things to do. And to be honest, I don't even know where to start, but I do know that whoever I'm going to be in the next five, 10 years, I hope that I am better equipped to be able to use my platform to bring awareness to these issues and actually find ways to um, fix them eventually. But yeah. Yeah. And I think that's huge because a lot of people in life are um, out there pursuing success and they need more and they need more wealth and they need all this mm -hmm. stuff. But to, to have a, a, a huge why that you know you're firm in and if that's your driving force through it and your passion and your purpose behind it, I think it is so much going to be so much more fruitful um, mm -hmm. because it's not just something you want just for yourself. Like um, exactly. when you're selfless and you're thinking of how can I have more means to then be uh, of more use to help others. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's where the true beauty of life lies. Um, yeah. And again, not everybody has to agree with that, but it's just, you can see that when your heart is not just set on yourself, um, mm -hmm. like, like you said, like you're sitting like, wow, I'm here. And now you're grateful, even though everything you've gone through, but you're like, but as much as I'm taking on and I'm bearing now, there's still kids who are in Nigeria who didn't even get this opportunity to get here. So it's kind of like, it, it was an opportunity for me to get hurt. It was, it was a blessing that I got hurt because that shows that I'm strong and I made it and I'm here. Um, mm -hmm. So I just think that's where like the true beauty lies. And um, I wanted to give like a couple of takeaways and I was talking to you about takeaways was like, the first one was change your narrative. We all walk around and we have this, like, this is my life. This is what it's going to be. I'm just not cut for this, blah, blah, blah. This happened to me because X, Y, Z. But if you actually just change that narrative and shift your perspective, like you were saying, no, that's not who you have to be. You don't have mm -hmm. to be in that box. You don't have to be the person that everybody told you you're going to be. And the second thing is, um, which I was talking about this on our IGTV yesterday, or well, by the time this episode airs, it was on a Sunday. Um, but it was not to let your situation be the reason you're stuck, but let your situation yeah. be the reason that you've moved forward. So again, you're taking this as an opportunity to do more and better yourself. You're not like, mm -hmm. oh, poor me, I'm stuck here, blah, blah, blah. And the third thing is that like, you don't need to justify to anybody. Um, no. It's just like, this is who it is. This is why I'm doing it. And that's between you, yourself, and whatever belief system you have. You don't need to justify your actions or anything to anybody as long as in your heart you know exactly what you're doing and you're pushing through. That's all that matters. Um, I didn't know if you had any other takeaways for the people listening. I'm sure they've taken so much just from hearing the stuff we spoke about already. 
Um, but if there's anything else you want to say to anybody listening, especially who's your age, 19, 18, 17, <laughs> going through all these traumas of like this era where we're on social media and comparing to a Kardashian and all these people, these YouTubers who have these fantastic lives on, on mm -hmm. screen. But again, they don't know what's happening uh, behind closed doors. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one of the quotes that has always been um, a guidance system for me was a quote by Oprah. And she said that um, her dream for herself is to achieve the highest and truest expression of herself. And that is what God has put into all of us. And I believe that what God has put into each and every one of us. So our goal in life should really be to find and seek ways to find growth constantly and to prepare ourselves for that next stage because we never know what that is and we never know when the opportunity is going to come and you just want to be prepared for when it comes and the yeah. best way to do that is to always go out of your comfort zone and always find ways to be uncomfortable because that is what it will push you to become the best version of yourself and that's yeah. my message <laughs> and yeah. I love me some quotes ladies I love me some quotes yes. um, but it's true um I the church that I go to pastor Stephen Fertick said it's like a muscle like mm -hmm. you don't grow your muscles unless you're uncomfortable pressing the heavy weights and yes. you need to feel that discomfort in order to gain that like mental muscle and that emotional mm -hmm. muscle like you can't grow it Unless you see a situation, if you don't know what discomfort is, how do you know? If you don't know what pain yeah. is, how do you know what joy is? But exactly. um, no, that's a that's a beautiful quote. Um, and it's supposed to be uncomfortable too. Yeah. I feel like we get yeah. so used to just um, saying that, oh, I don't want to do this because it's too hard, but it's yeah. supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy at all. Because if it was, then, then what's the point then? But, yeah. yeah. Somebody said that to me the other day. They're like, oh, but it's so hard. And I said, is it hard? Can you touch it? Like, is it a hard surface? <laughs> no, it's not. It's just your excuse. Mm -hmm. So, um, But before we hop off, I, um, I'm going to put it on our blog site as well. But I just wanted to plug in that she makes beautiful hair accessories. Um, that was one of her things that came out of this too. Um, to, to be able to have those things for all hair types. Um, mm -hmm. but they're just beautiful no matter what hair type you have. Um, so if you're on Instagram, it's at a at shop Ashanti Avenue. Um, and you can go to www.ashantiavenue.com and you can see all of her stuff. We'll throw it up on the blog as well. And on the Instagram page, when this podcast is released, um, and you can shop beautiful hair pieces. We're going to work on collaborating on some items for Elevate as well. And we will have some of her stuff showcased there. And just know like when you are purchasing a product, there is so much more meaning than if you go yes. into the aisles of winners and you pick up a headband that like when you're buying this headband or scrunchie or whatever it is, you're, you're adding to the life of a beautiful backstory. And that's like the main takeaway. So I love shopping local because I love to research the brands and see where did this come from? How did this like, what was the evolution of Ashanti Avenue? So again, we're going to have some of her stuff. You can check it out there. And uh, it was so beautiful talking to you. Um, for such a young age, you have such a wise soul. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I look forward to many more conversations with you and you so much. collaborating, collaborating to uh, get to some cool things ahead. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Thank and, you so much um, for the opportunity. I love no, it. No problem. It's an opportunity for me as well. You know, we learn every day, but um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>